Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're talking about foundations. Now, let me give you a little uh, insight into my life and my early years. I've been raised in a construction family. All of my family, my uncles, cousins, my brothers, my father, either bricklayers or masons or carpenters. I was the black sheep of the family. I escaped that. I, hate, I hated that kind of work. No matter how much my father tried, I do not like sweating out there in the summer, and I do not like freezing out there in the winter. So I was not born and bred for construction work. But I did work with him a little bit until he realized there's no use with this kid, okay? <laughs> so, so we would have the, you know, opportunities to go on these jobs, and sometimes it would be just concrete work and driveways or sidewalks, but sometimes it would also be major construction. And so we would have to dig footing. Well, I, I shouldn't have said we. I would have to get in there and dig the footings for the foundations, okay? And I hated doing that work. I hated it. You're in this narrow thing. You're either using a, a shovel and, or you're using one of those pickaxes or something like this. And especially if it was up in North Jersey where there's clay and stone. Down here is easy. You got sand, okay? So when, we, when we'd be digging, I, I would get to the place and, and I would think I was done. And I'd climb out of that hole and my father would come by. And he'd look and he'd measure and he'd go, Joe, you know dig it deep enough. Oh, God, I hated to hear those words because now i got to get back in that hole. And it's harder, literally, it's harder to just dig an inch or two than it is to go and dig five, six, seven, eight inches because now you got to have an eye. But I understood this. If you don't dig the foundation right, if you don't put the right foundation in, you can't build on it. And some of us in our lives have had to rip out the old foundations and let the Holy Spirit come and put a whole new foundation system within our lives. Amen? Because he knew what we were going to have to accomplish in the future. He knew what God the Father, what the plan is for our lives and what was going to have to be built on that. Amen? Once the foundation is laid, the supports can go in, and that permits the rest of the structure to be built. Now, obviously, the deeper and stronger the foundation, the taller one can build. And it's the same way with the Word of God. The Bible is exactly the same way. The, dig, the deeper you dig, the deeper the foundation, the stronger your life, and there's more you can accomplish. And, and more importantly than anything, the more you can withstand. Because how many know, if you live long enough on this earth, you're going to face some trials? How many? Oh, just me and the guy in the back. How, how, many, how many know you're going to go through storms in life? There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be shakings. And if you don't have a strong enough foundation, sometimes you, you get left by the wayside. Now, here's what I want to go. I want you to really lean into this message t- today because this is important, okay? I want to start with this concept. The book of Acts. How I many of you know the book of Acts is in the New Testament? We've got all our Bible scholars here, Okay. The book of Acts is very much like the book of Genesis. It's a book of beginnings. Genesis is the book that tells us about the creation of, of the universe, the earth, life on the earth. 
It's a foundational book. Well, the book of Acts is very similar to that. The book of Acts shows us and, and, and details for us the very beginnings of the church, the early church, the foundation upon which we build in the apostles and the prophets. Now, I'm going to make a few statements. If you're not careful, you might get yourself offended. But you see, I, I'm not making the statements for you. But you might know somebody that applies to this. And so this way, we're here today. We can get educated so that you can help the people that fall in these categories. Now, the biggest difference between Christians now and Christians in the early church is in the early church, they called themselves believers because they believed something. People that attend church today call themselves Christians, but they don't know what they believe. Now, again, it's nobody in this room, but you might know somebody. So, this is the main reason why so many times we have Christians who consider themselves born again, going to heaven, Holy Spirit living in them. But if you sit down and have a conversation with them for more than about five minutes, you start realizing, wait a second, what you claim your life is built on or what you claim you believe or what you claim you endorse or what you claim you promote is completely contrary to the word of God. Because you see, the sad fact is, and and this is very unfortunate, again, it doesn't apply to anybody in here, it's very unfortunate that the majority of Christians in the church world today have only received enough knowledge to get born again. And they don't go back into, do you realize your Bible, even if it's, a small print is like this. It's more than one page. It's more than John 3.16. It's more than Romans chapter 10. Now, if you've only discovered the revelation and truth of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And if you've only discovered Romans chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. You still have to live on this planet. Now, that's enough to get you into heaven, but you have to live here. And for some of us, I mean, I I just celebrated 35 years of being saved, okay? I've I've lived 35 years on this planet from the point that I received Christ. Are you listening? So, So the Bible is full of what we're supposed to believe while we're still here on earth. Are you catching this? Now, Pastor, why is this a big deal? It's a very big deal especially for us in New Beginnings. It's a big deal because God has given us a mandate not just to touch Bricktown, but to reach all of central New Jersey. Now, I can't do that by myself. I can do it by myself if I work 24-7. Me and the leadership here can't do it alone. So we need, we need, we must have, we must see come forth an army of believers who know what they believe, who are capable of taking the basic foundations of the faith and teaching them to others like Jesus commanded us in Matthew 28. Are, are, you, are you listening? Turn to somebody and say this. Turn to somebody and say, we need to know what we believe so we can make more believers. Not just church attendees, believers. Now, the title is Foundations. What is a foundation? Foundation is the the structure that is usually beneath the ground, under the surface, 
that is capable of maintaining and sustaining future growth. It could be a building, the foundation of a building, but it also could be the roots of a tree. Okay? Now, I remember when the storm came through years ago. Okay? We had this weeping willow tree in the backyard. I hated that tree. (laughs) Made a mess. And so, by the grace of God, the storm came through. (laughs) And we woke up the next morning, and guess what? The tree was down. I was rejoicing. But it caused another problem. Then my wife said, well, now the tree's gone. Now we can put the pool in. But you see, that tree did not have the right root system to sustain itself in that storm. And it was bad. And many of you know from this area here how devastating it was. But we're not like that tree. And we're not like the people that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read that to you. Because you see, without a strong foundation, you and I are not going to make it through the storms of life. And without a strong foundation, we're only going to be able to get so far in fulfilling God's plan for our life. He hasn't called any of us to accomplish little things. He's called every one of us to accomplish big things, especially as it pertains to affecting other people's lives. Are you with me? Now, in the life of a true devoted believer in Christ, get this settled in your heart, everything rises and falls upon the Word of God. It's always going to be affected. Your life is going to be as effective as as much word as you have developed in your belief system. Are you listening? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus' words. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the what? Come on, let me hear it. On the what? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the what? The rock. Verse 26, the opposite side of the coin. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Didn't just fall. It crashed. And everybody that passed by saw the effect of what happens when a person doesn't build their house on the proper foundation. Jesus made it very clear. It's all about foundation. Amen? Notice this. The only difference between the house that endured and the one that crashed was the foundation. That's it. And what I'm hoping to accomplish to show you in, these, in this message, this week and next week, is that we here at New Beginnings hold certain foundational beliefs as extremely important. And we want you to know what they are. Because, you know, many times a person can attend a church for months and years and never bother to go and find out exactly what that church believes. And it's important for you to know that. It's important for this reason. I believe some of you are going to come to the conclusion that this is your church and that this is, what, this, this is where you're going to take your stand and this is where you're going to be fed from and this is where you're going to draw your confidence from and that you're going to know that this is a place that God has placed you in. Amen? Amen. So, number one, we believe that the Bible is God's word. It does not merely contain God's word It is God's word. 
from the first word in Genesis to the last word in the book of Revelation, it is completely God's word. It is accurate. It is authoritative. It's applicable to everyday life. Now, I want you to, I want you to see some truth here in a in, in verse of Scripture that's recorded for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. The Apostle Paul, writing this letter to this church in Thessalonica, makes an extremely important point here. And I want you to just walk through it with me. Okay, you don't have to read it out loud, but I want you to pay attention. Look at the screen, look at your Bible, look at your phone. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, so what does it tell us here? The word of God has to be what? Received. received. Now, now, there's a quality of reception that's going to be very important. Now, watch this now. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. So what's it have to be? It's got to be received and it's got to be what? Welcomed. But, you, but he said you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who what? Believe. Turn to somebody and say, got to believe. believe. This is an amazing passage of scripture. What he's saying, now, now watch now, now watch now. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is used to going, if you follow his life, as it's recorded for us in the book of Acts and even in the letters that he wrote, the Apostle Paul, Paul, wherever he went, first place he went to was where? Synagogue. Synagogue. Where's he going? He's going to his people. He's going to the Jews. And he's bringing the word. He's bringing the word of God to them. And I would imagine, based on what he wrote here, that he wasn't always successful. That he might have went to some places and they did not receive the word of God. They did not welcome it as if it came from God, but that it only came from a man's opinion. And it did not result in any transformation in their lives. Why? Because it's got to be received. It's got to be welcomed. And it's got to be what? Believed. So now, imagine this. Imagine it. I never thought about this until now. He's used to going to synagogue, 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 synagogue. He goes there, gets some, gets some, gets some response. By the end of the week, they want to stone him to death and throw him out of the city. Over and over again, over and over. In fact, that's the thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about in his letters. That every place he went, he's got the same thing following, the same spirit following him every place he goes. And Jesus says to him, keep doing what I told you. Didn't tell you to stop preaching. Okay? My grace is sufficient for you. Amen? So imagine if, I mean, would you get tired if every place you went, you got the same result, you go there, everybody loves you, next week they want to kill you. I think it gets old fast. Okay? But now he comes to Thessalonica. And these people are different. They received it. They welcomed it. They recognized this isn't, he might be speaking it, but these words are not his. These words are from God. And they believed. And it so impacted him that he writes it in this letter. It stayed, we don't know how long after he visited and he wrote this letter. It could have been years. And that impact stayed with him. And he started to realize, here's the pattern. The word of God has got to be received as if it is the word of God. It's got to be welcomed. We have to put our faith in it. And we hear new beginnings. We trust the Bible to be the word of God 100% accurate. Every, every word, every word, every word. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture. How much? How much? All. Just a few of them? How many? All All scripture is given by God by inspiration. Now, if we were reading this in Greek, 
it would read like this. All scripture is God breathed. Came right from the heart of God, right from the soul of God, right from the breath of God. Now, when I read this and I understood this and I started to research it many, many, many years ago and understood that in Greek it says breathe, God breathed, all of a sudden a picture came in, two pictures. One, God is standing before this pile of dirt that looks like a man. His name's going to be Adam, but he didn't come to life until God did what? Breathe into his nostrils. And it says he became a living being, literally in Hebrew, a speaking spirit, life. But then we see on Easter Sunday night, the first time Jesus stands in front of the, in front of the disciples after he's raised from the dead, what did he do? What did he do? Breathe. Receive the Holy Spirit. It all comes from the breath of God. It's inspired, inspired, okay? Let me read it to you again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. Is profit a good thing? Yes. Yeah. It's profitable for what? Doctrine, teaching, for reproof, for correction. It'll correct you. If you're, if you're, if you're vulnerable enough and you're open enough before God, the word of God's going to correct you. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather be corrected by the word of God, or would you rather be punished by the circumstance? I'd rather be corrected. Amen? And it's also for instruction in righteousness. Now, now, verse 16 stops there, but then verse 17 complements it and really brings out the truth of it because verse 17 tells us what the end result's going to be for the person who believes verse 16. Let me read the both of them together and let's bring them together. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Let's back up again, ladies. I know you went, ah, oh, man of God. That the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. Thor- what does this tell me, Christian? What does this tell me, believer in Christ? This tells me that if I only get born again, I'm going to heaven. But I'm not thoroughly equipped for life on this earth until I let the word of God come in and change some things. And teach me some things and equip me with some things so I can be born again, go into heaven. The Holy Spirit's living in me, but I might be a horrible husband. I might be a terrible father. I might be a a failure at my job. Why? I'm going to heaven. And some wives are saying, I wish you'd go early. But I'm not equipped for life on earth yet. You catching this? That's why you walk around sometimes. That's why what happened when somebody came to you to tell you about Jesus, you went like this. Oh, don't tell me about them born-again Christians. Because, you know, I work with one. Or I live next door to one. Or I got one of my family. And they're, they're the worst people I've ever met. Why? They're going to heaven. But they never let the word of God, the word of God, the truth of the word of God, the eternal word of God. They never let it change them. They never, never let it come and transform them and renew the way they think. Because you know what? If you don't let the Bible speak to you, if you don't let the Bible become the very energy of your belief system, then you're going to think like the world, you're going to talk like the world, and you're going to act like the world. And, and from the outside, you would never know that that person is born again. Why? Because when you got born again, it affected your spirit. It did not affect your soul. 
It did not affect your physical body. It came in as a seed. When you allow the word of God now to transform you and renew your mind, what happens? That seed starts breaking forth. And now it starts developing. It goes from your spirit to your soul. And your soul, you start thinking different. You start talking different. You start acting different. All of a sudden, you don't have the desire to go do the things you used to do. It's not like anybody's saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. No, your heart itself on the inside is saying, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't smoke that. Don't drink that. Don't hang out with this one. Don't watch this stuff on the computer. Don't go, and you can fill in the rest of the blanks. And it's natural. It's not like somebody's got to put a straitjacket on you. You yourself don't want to do it anymore. Are you listening? So we believe that the Bible is God's word. Why is that important? Because it's a major foundational cornerstone of our relationship with God. Now, I can see the time is going. I'm not going to have time to do a lot of this today. So, but I do want to make this point. Talking about the Bible being the Word of God, I'm constantly being faced with this question. Pastor, does it matter which translation of, or which version of the Bible I read? Of course it matters. Of course it matters. Now, inevitably, especially when a person's a young believer, they're going to want to know, which, you know what, what Bible do you use, Pastor? Well, I got a bunch of them home. But when I'm studying, I'll use the New King James. Now, let me back up a little bit. In recent decades, I'd say probably even more than that, probably the past 40 to 50 years, there's been a lot of, well, quite a few organizations have gotten together to try to come up with a more easily readable, easy understandable version of the scriptures. And some of them are very good. But understand this, okay? Now I'm talking about, how many of you are familiar with the Message Bible? Some of you. How about the Passion Bible? Okay, that's probably one of the newest ones that's on the scene now. They're good. But they're not translations. They're paraphrases. Even, how about the New Living Bible? Anybody, the New Living Bible? Okay. They're wonderful because they, they really help us understand but they're more inspirational than they are educational, okay? So, so when I'm studying for the message that I'm going to bring to you, I primarily study from the New King James Bible. I might go to the New American Standard. Uh, I might go to the, the actual King James itself. And then I'll, 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 I'll find the scripture that I'm looking for. And then maybe, 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 and, and, and if you've been here for any length of time, you'll, you'll remember this. Sometimes I'll say, now, here's this scripture in the New King James, blah, 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 blah. But here's how it reads in the Message Bible. Why? Because maybe it brings out the meaning a little bit more. It's a little bit easier to understand. Okay? And so there's nothing wrong with you reading from the Passion or reading from the Message Bible or reading from the New Living. And I'm not bashing any of those. But what I'm saying is, read that for inspiration. But if you're going to study, go to the New King James. Is that fair? So does it really make a difference, Pastor? Now, now I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something out here, and I'm not doing this to bash anybody. I'm not doing this to, I'm just, it needs to be said. Okay, do we have any former Jehovah's Witnesses here in this group? We're doing something wrong. We should have some former Jehovah's Witnesses here. Okay, now here, here's what, how many of you have ever heard of the New World Translation of the Bible? One, two, three. Four, five, maybe one more. Okay, the New World Translation of the Bible is the official Jehovah Witness Bible. 
Now, I'm not here to preach Jehovah Witness doctrine, but there are two major distinctions between Jehovah Witness official doctrine and orthodox, when I say orthodox, I'm talking about true biblical Christianity, okay? Those two points, the major points, they do not believe that Jesus is God and they do not believe in the Trinity, okay? It's just fact. There's a whole lot of other stuff, but those are the two major things. So now, if you're reading from the New World Translation and you don't understand this, you're going to realize one day when you open your eyes that this Bible has been written specifically to prove that point. So it's different. There are certain words that are changed. or certain words that are eliminated. Okay? Are you getting... You, so now if you don't know this and somebody gives you a New World Translation to read and you're reading it and you think this is... This is this, well, it's a Bible. It says Bible. It's a Bible. You're going to be affected by that bias. Yes? Now... Let me say this and I'll explain. When you're reading strictly from the Passion or from the Message Bible, they are paraphrased. What is a paraphrase? A paraphrase is me putting into my own words what I believe the Bible says. You see the difference? Now, it's impossible for it to be unbiased. Now, how many have ever heard of the Amplified Bible? A few more. If you, if you've never, if you don't have an Amplified Bible... Go get yourself one. Because it does exactly what the name says. It what? Amplifies. And that's why instead of one word to to tell you something, it might have three or four or five words to kind of give you the general flavor of what's meant. But that Bible was, was originally put together by a denomination that's not that crazy about the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit in that in that translation or that version. It's going to be like mm, the Holy Spirit, and we'll move on. You see, I'm not bashing it. It's a good Bible. But if you don't understand that, you're going to be weak as pertaining to what you believe in the Holy Spirit. You got it? Okay, so pastor, what should I do? Get yourself a new King James or a new American Standard. But then get yourself a Message Bible because uh, I, I, I read it. I think it's great. Get your, I have a Passion Bible. I have new living. If you go online, you can get 50 different translation and versions of all different kinds. There's times where I'll read from what's the Orthodox Jewish Bible, which is New Testament and Old Testament, because I want to get that perspective. You see what I'm saying? So don't limit yourself. But this, you better get down deep in your heart. The Bible is the Word of God, and it's what you build your life on. Amen? You catching this? Are you sure? All right. Next thing. Next basic foundational cornerstone of the faith. We believe in one eternal God. He exists in three persons. God the Father. Good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're good with that, right? But if we were reading this in the original language in Hebrew, it doesn't say that. It says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Do I have any Hebrew scholars in this room today? Elohim is a plural word. You catching this? It's the word for God, but it's plural. But it's talking about one one God. Yes or no? Yes. But plural in form. So do we think, well, 
Uh, have you ever had this one thrown at you? The Trinity, the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible, but the concept does. And it's in the very first verse of Scripture. So do you think it might be important to God that we believe in the Trinity? Yeah, if he introduces himself in a plural, with a plural name in the very, very first verse of Scripture in the Bible, I'd say we'd better pay attention to it. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. John 15, 26, look at this. Jesus speaking. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. We have Jesus speaking on the earth. You listening? Jesus speaking on the earth. He's talking about who? The Holy Spirit who's going to come from who? The Father which is in heaven. Jesus at his baptism. We've got Jesus in the water. We've got a voice that comes out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we got the Holy Spirit that comes out of heaven and hovers over him. All three. One God. You got this? You got this? Okay, good. Let me give you one more, and then I'm going to have to stop because we're, we're out of time. We believe that sin has separated each of us from God and his purpose for our lives. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and done what? And fall short of the glory of God. You better... Pastor, I'm not, like, I'm not like these drug addicts. I'm not like these alcoholics. And I'm not like these thieves. And I'm not like these degenerates. And I'm not like these porno addicts. And I'm not like these adulterers. Oh, no. You're a clean sinner. You're a white-collar sinner. Let's read it again. One, two, three. For all have sinned and fall short. Of the glory of God. In other words, every one of us can never make God's standard. It's impossible. You, are you getting this? No, because some people think, well, you know, <laughs> you're still going to hell, sweetheart. John 14, 6, major foundational cornerstone of the gospel. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty, but you know, that, that just sounds so narrow-minded. It is. There's only one Lamb of God. There was no other before him. There's never going to be another one. There's one. The only one that showed up 2,000 years ago and allowed himself to be slain so that you and I, by his blood, would be cleansed and brought back into relationship with God the Father. Now, let me just say this, okay? Because we live in a society that entertains a lot of stupidity. If you're here today and you have been entertaining this philosophy that many roads lead to God, you are sadly mistaken and you have put yourself at odds with the basic foundational belief from the Gospels. It doesn't even make sense. If I say to you, okay, we're all going to meet 
There's a really great restaurant in Atlantic City. We're all going to meet in Atlantic City. We're going to stay away from the casinos, but we're going to go to the restaurant. Okay? And I give you the address, and I tell you, okay, here's, here's, here's the road to take. And you say to me, it doesn't matter. Whatever highway I get on, it's going to take me to Atlantic City. And you're going to end up in Brooklyn someplace. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. In the, just speaking natural common sense, it doesn't make sense. Yet so many people entertain that. Well, you know, I can believe in this one because, you know, well, well, God's the same. No, no, it's one God. Not many gods, one God. It's only one Savior. There's only one, only one mediator between us and him, and that's the man named Jesus Christ. Now, some of you have sat here, and I, and I appreciate you being excited and giving me your response, but I don't think I've shared anything today that is going to hit anybody like a ton of bricks. Okay? But listen, there are people in every one of our lives who don't know this truth yet. And God has put you and commissioned you and placed you in their lives so that you could take this basic information and bring it to them. There are people that you're already in relationship with, they're dying on the inside, they don't know Jesus. If they were to die today, they'd go to hell. Yet you claim that they're your friends. Some of them might be your family members. You may claim that you really love these people. Well, how much do you love them if you won't tell them the basic truths that they need to get off of this conveyor belt that's taking them to hell? Because you realize you don't have to do anything to go to hell. You just have to be born. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned, where are all heading? But you got to do something to get off that conveyor belt. Are you listening to me? And we go through life. And we have people that are close to us. Well, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. How much are their feelings going to be hurt when they end up in hell? And if you love me and you see me heading towards a cliff with a blindfold on, and I don't know that cliff is there, and you do. If you love me, you'd tackle me. You wouldn't worry about my feelings. You would tackle me to get me off of that path that's going to plunge me off the edge of that cliff. Are you listening? Now, i got to wrap this up, but listen to me. There are some of you that may have sat here and said to yourself, wow, I didn't realize that my faith needs to be centered on Jesus. I didn't realize how important it is. I thought just by coming to church, you know, I'll be Okay. You know, I've really cleaned my act up a little bit. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not watching this. I'm not. But if you haven't, from your heart, personally asked Jesus to come into your life, if you have never personally declared with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God, that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that you believe that God raised him from the dead, you got to seal it. It's not enough for you just to come here and sit here and listen to me on the weekends. Now, there may be some of you here that, you know, you know what? I didn't realize. I forgot how hungry I used to be for the word of God. I forgot how thirsty I was. And when I first became a Christian, I would read the Bible all the time. And now it's like, well, maybe today's the day to turn that around. Maybe today's the day to kind of get back to where you used to be. 
Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.